All right, this is part two of the two-part podcast for this week covering USL opening weekend. I have Carson Merck on with Dynamo Theory. He's on to talk about Rio Grande Valley Toros, the next opponent for Tulsa Roughnecks. I also have, I'll go over a little bit of MLS news, uh, Tulsa athletic news, as well as some national team discussion. Before we get started, I do have some Patreon pledgers I need to give shout outs to. Thank you so much for your pledges. We've got Jen Frazier, we've got Dennis Lane, Nathan Napier, Matt Seltzer. Matt, I am the liquor seltzer. Sorry, I had to give him a had to give him a little Trailer Park Boys shout out there. Anyway, thank you guys so much for your pledges. And we will go right into the next part of this series. Hope you enjoy it. Now we will talk about the Colorado Springs switchbacks at Tulsa Roughnecks match. Wow, what a result. If you are a Tulsa Roughneck fan, you have got to be jumping up for joy. 4-1 was the end result of that match. I actually got to start out a little ominous with a goal uh, by Malcolm Kelly. Or I'm sorry, Shane Malcolm. Sorry, wow. Malcolm Kelly. Where did I get? Anyway. Uh, Shane Malcolm with a goal in the uh, 17th minute for the the uh, switchbacks. And it was just this little poke that came out from the top of the box. It was, wasn't was a very, like, well-hit ball. I don't think it, was, it wasn't a hard-hit ball. It just made its way to the net. Byers was playing kind of in the middle toward uh, the left side of the, the box, and the ball went right, and it bounced off the pole and or off the – off the woodworks and into the net, and that put up Colorado Springs 1-0. And then the onslaught happened. A gulp, this free kick from Juan Pablo Caffa was a thing of beauty. The ball goes in, puts up. The game is now 1-1, and that is in the 24th minute. And then we had a, another goal by Ins Fontessen, and I believe this was the one where... Uh, the, the, I think the defender played it back to the keeper and Svontessen just made a play on it, got past the keeper and just, I mean, it was a wide open shot. He had two of the easiest shots of the night, really. I mean, he just made space, got behind the keeper. He had nothing to empty net in front of him. And then uh, in the uh, 51st minute, Svontessen had another goal. Uh, this was the one where uh, I believe Kalistri, uh pulled out the keeper Keeper went after Kalistri. Kalistri kicks it back toward the middle of the box, and there's Fontessen just wide open. Uh, all he had to do, he could have walked, he'd think he walked it in basically uh, for that goal. And then uh, Ugarte, Francisco Ugarte had the uh, fourth goal um, to round things off for the Roughnecks. And boy, that was just a, uh, I mean, my gosh, it was, to me, it felt like, I felt like what the other teams feel like when they played us over the past couple of years. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, the time of possession. We dominated time of possession, 56% to 44. Our possession. Uh, it's. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was flip-flopped all year last year. Uh, we dominated possession. Uh, let's see here. Uh, other interesting stats. We had 14 shots. They had 16 shots. So Tulsa with 10 shots on target, 10. I think we went 
three or four games without totaling 10 shots on goal. 10 shots on goal against the switchbacks with their four. There was um, eight shots inside the box and nine inside for the the switchbacks. And a lot of these were deflected block shots too from uh, – so, yeah, there was really good stat line there to outshoot it. I get 10 shots on target versus four for the opposing team. So, you know, I talked to a few players and, you know, coach after the match and they felt like there was some meat on the bone. I mean, they could, they thought it might've been higher score. We should have finished more of those shots. Impressive stuff. No doubt about it. Uh, there was, I, I thought Juan Pablo Coffa was one of the, you know, I, I know obviously Svontessen got the man of the match, two goals with the brace there. I mean, you can't argue that, but I think Calistri, um, uh, this is the whole team played well. It, it was just a great effort. I remember seeing Bradley Bourgeois make a really good clearance in the early part of the match. That ball was kind of flying back toward the net, and he just jumped in the way, cleared it out. There was just plays like that throughout the whole game that the Roughnecks made that made the difference. It's it's one play here, making a play here, and and that's something Coach talked about. Wasn't you know making plays and getting the ball inside the box with a bunch of players in the box. That was one of his focal points, and you saw that yesterday um, or on Saturday with with the Roughnecks. Uh, impressive and, and very athletic team, very quick. You know they recover very quick to get you know the other teams countering. There, that was the thing. You, this was a counterattack team, counterattack minded team coming into this match. They being Colorado Springs Switchbacks. And the important thing was for the Roughnecks to get back and withstand some of that, those counterattacks. And, and they did. They got back. They didn't leave anybody wide open. Even the shot uh, Shane Malcolm made, it was just, it got past the defender, but there was a defender in the way. And, you know, he just made a good shot there to uh, get the ball past the, the goalkeeper. But otherwise, there's very quick to, to shut down any sort of attack from, uh, from the switchbacks. And also, all the attacks from the Roughnecks were very organized, and yeah, uh, you've got to be impressed with that victory there. So, uh, four to one final, very impressive victory for the Roughnecks. And with that, we're you got to look to the next match. Doesn't get easier. Rio Grande Valley comes to town. Unfortunately, that match it'll be played after I do my recording, so we won't have a result of that match. However, I did get Carson Merck on uh, to come on and talk with me about the Rio Grande Valley Toros and get his take on what they're going to look like this season. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We have a special guest on the phone. We got Carson Merck with uh, Dynamo Theory. He covers RGV FC, and I'm sure you've heard him before. If you've listened to the Tulsa Soccer Show before, we've had him on to talk all things Rio Grande Valley FC. Carson, how's it going today, buddy? Not doing too bad, man. Yeah, you ready for ready for the USL to get started? I know, and and for folks on the that are listening, we're, I'm talking to Carson on Friday. So uh, Tulsa hasn't played yet. Rio Grande Valley hasn't played yet. So um, so if there's a if you hear that optimism in our voices right now, and then <laughs> see the results from this weekend, they don't sink. That's why, uh, Carson. Uh, I know we've a lot happened in the off season. 
you had Wilmer Cabrera getting called up, so to speak, to the to the parent club, and so he's no longer at Rio Grande Valley FC. Uh, tell me a little bit or what you think that this 2008 or 2017 version, if you will, 2017 version looks like uh, from your perspective. Yeah, it was it was kind of funny with uh, with Wilmer getting called up. That's how they set up the Toros for players, and then it ended up being a good uh, pipeline for coaches. But <laughs> right. Uh, they have, I want to say they have 13 players. I, I could be completely wrong. I think they have 13 mm-hmm. players back from last year. Um, a lot of the key guys, um, first off would be Charlie Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, played literally every second last year for the Toros. Right. Um, he was probably the guy that uh, most people wanted to see called up to the Dynamo, but, yep. but it didn't end up happening. He takes up an international spot, so that's um, a little trickier. And then... Um, guys like TJ Kastner is back. Um, a lot of the attacking players are all back. Um, the one that they'll miss would be Memo Rodriguez, who mm-hmm. did sign with the Dynamo. Um, I would not be surprised if you see him a good bit still with the Toros. Sure. Obviously, he signed with the Dynamo, but um, you know that affiliation is built for that. You know, rather than have him get signed up there than not play, you know, you can sit him down and get some you know match time in the USL. Sure. Yeah, and, and Kadich, he's coming back right as well. Yeah, Kadich is back. Another guy they'll get is um, Ruben Luna, who signed midseason last year and then mm-hmm. scored something like seven goals in thirteen games or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he it really was, he really tore it up last year for for the Toros. Yeah, and to, to actually have him for a full season will be great. Um, the main um, difference you'll see is in goal. Um, last year there was split time between uh, Callum Irving, mm-hmm. aka the Great Wall of Canada, and. <laughs> Uh, Devin Perales, both are gone. Um, mm-hmm. Callum signed with Ottawa Fury. Uh, Devin Perales, I believe, was trialing with the Charleston Battery. Um, and I'm going to try to say this name. I talked to him this weekend. Mm-hmm. Borja Angotia okay. is the new first-choice goalie at this point. Um, he played. He's from Spain and playing in a lower division in Spain last year. Uh, and so he'll be, he'll be with the team, probably the first-choice keeper. You'll probably see um, Callie Brown down from the Dynamo as well. And then mm-hmm. um, Marco Carducci, who was with Whitecaps, um, okay. was also, he signed as probably the uh, rotational goalkeeper. Okay. Yeah, I think the supporters uh, that are heckling the goalkeepers, and if you get the Spaniard in there, they may have a hard time with that name after a few uh, high point beers. So that would be yeah, pretty maybe, interesting. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's why, you know, chose goalies. Like, you know, they're, I have a difficult <laughs> name to say. They're not going to be able to heckle them. I told him. I'm going to mispronounce it. I just hopefully will mispronounce it less each time that I say it. Right, right, yeah. I'm I'm a country boy myself, so somebody can tell me their name and I'll turn around and say it wrong. And I've done it in interviews, so that's always always a fun time. Always. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Christian Lucatero is coming back as well, right? Yeah, Lucatero will be back. Um, I, from what I've heard, he's he's hoping hopefully going to get a little bit more time. Um, last year with he was banged banged up a little bit, and then mm-hmm. also. Obviously, you know, being a teenager, inexperienced, you know, River Valley finished second in the West, so it's not like they were, right. a, you know, bottom team that, you know, they could play young guys. It didn't really matter. They were um, competing, so he didn't get a ton of time. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have uh, two assists in about five minutes of game action against Swope Park, so hopefully he'll, um, you know, get more time. He Obviously, he's kind of the um, prodigal son of the Dynamo Academy, so hopefully right. he'll be able to, to get a little bit more time to show, showcase his stuff. Right, and, and, you know, it's really interesting. You, you've seen – a little bit of a shift in mentality with some of the teams that are uh, the owner affiliate teams. Uh, you've seen a little bit of a shift in the Monarchs where they're going to a, 
you know, kind of doing what the Dyna or what RGV did last year to get some good experienced players and mix them up with your academy. And then you have teams like Swope Park that are kind of more focused on the academy. Do you still see uh, RGV being more focused on that hybrid that gets some of these experienced players and let's see them mix up with our uh, academy guys? I, I would say, yeah, definitely more towards the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw with guys like um, Jose Escalante, who was on loan mm-hmm. last year from Olympia, from Honduras. Um, he ended up with a Dynamo. He's on loan now. But um, I think those guys that are on loan from, you know, other clubs overseas, they're younger. You know, mm-hmm. Escalante's, you know, under 23. So um, there's Francisco Pungio is from Colombia. There's another Colombian as well, mm-hmm. um, Camilo Monroe. And so I think it. I think it's going to always tend to be, you know, some guys from overseas, obviously maybe um, guys like Kadich, guys like Ruben Luna that, you know, played professionally a little bit elsewhere and maybe weren't, you know, complete stars and then kind of bounced around a little bit. Sure. You know, hey, maybe we get these guys in the right environment. You know, they they can thrive here, which obviously Luna did. Mm-hmm. Obviously Kadich did as well. Sure. So. Yeah, and uh, and for those on the lo- listening on the podcast, Kadich will be known for uh, had an assist, I guess, in the first goal of Tulsa last year. He had injured himself in the in the penalty box, was laying, was fell down, and and I can't remember who it was that shot it from outside the box, hits him in the head, and deflects in the goal. Unfortunately for Tulsa, we didn't have very many goals go that way for the rest of the year. But that's uh, for those that are at, on listening on podcast. That's uh, something just to note there. Um, and last year, speaking of you know two teams that I thought would finish opposites of each other, the other way around, but the way it worked last year, uh, RGV had such a successful season last year, and I think in some ways. Some of that success has followed uh, Wilmer Cabrera uh, and, and something, someone I've been singing his praises on this uh, podcast ever since I've uh, been talking to MLS. Do you think he's just, that's what's going on with the Dynamo? He, he's brought that expectation and, and some of that hard work ethic to the parent club, and, and, and that's why you're seeing that success at uh, Houston right now. Yeah, honestly, he, he's, he's, I've never heard a player whether it's a guy with a Dynamo, a guy with the Toros, um, say anything negative about him. They say, you know, he obviously the guy understands soccer, great mm-hmm. motivator, um, relates to the players well. Sure. Um, and last year had such, uh, when people ask, you know, how was Rio Grande Valley so great in their first year? Um, they had an identity. They were going to possess the ball mm-hmm. most of the match. Um, they were going to defend. They were going to, you know, work from the back. Um, and so that's what they did. And they went, you know, 750 minutes in the middle of the season without conceding a goal, a uh, new USL record. Uh, and then, you know, moving on to Houston, they're not doing that now. Uh, they're, you know, a counterattacking team, obviously mm-hmm. with uh, Kyoto and Elise, uh, obviously Kubo Torres there, you know, one pass and, you know, the whole, the whole field is uh, shifted. Yeah. So he, he just, he, I think his main thing is, you know, he establishes an identity and, and, and goes with it. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. the team embraces it. Obviously he carries it on and, Obviously, you've seen the success with the Dynamo. Obviously, lost to Portland, but uh, first two matches were great, and even the Portland mat- Portland loss was great. Yeah, I mean, still we're in it. Had the lead going into halftime. Uh, I thought we were going to pull it off, and you know, playing in Portland is a whole different animal. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can ask a Minnesota United that, and <laughs> but that's that's I think I think that's one of the better. Te- I think they may be. I'm gonna go ahead and say this: they may be the best team in the West right now, Portland. 
Yeah, I was I was gonna say I I think uh, Minnesota United is not the best team in the West right now. <laughs> yeah, that that defense is is rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's I've been kind of harping on them a little bit on on the podcast, uh, but yeah, I I think um, it's been interesting to see that some folks from well coaches now and then some players as well move from that make that jump from the USL to the MLS. Because some of these guys I was sitting there watching a couple of seasons, last season play, you know, Tulsa, and now they're causing problems for other teams. And I'm, I'm glad to see them move on. And, and somebody, right. somebody that you mentioned earlier, Charlie Ward, that was somebody who you said they started from the back. He, was, he touched the ball pretty much every possession. In fact, he may have had the ball the most on your team, on Rio Grande. Do yeah, you, you, that- and I was going to say, do you expect that same kind of offense and same kind of possession style to 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 tr- to be the same going into this 2017 season? It seems to be. Um, from everything I've heard, I don't think it's going to be as um, maybe as crazy dominant possession as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, of course, you know, if Charlie Ward's on the field, he's going to touch the ball a lot. That's why it's funny. Like I mentioned earlier, he played every second, and he didn't wasn't just on the field for every second, he was touching the ball multiple times, you know, uh, every possession and, you know, able to work that around. He, I actually spoke to him and he's hoping to, he actually didn't score a goal last year, which was, it was funny. He didn't get any all league accolades or anything like that, which mm-hmm. um, obviously, you know, you watch the games. It, it was, you know, I was, I was shocked by that. And yeah. he, but his stats, he didn't really have any, he didn't have a ton of assists. He didn't mm-hmm. score any goals. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, he was the engineer of the offense. And sure. so um, he's hoping to score. So at least uh, have something on his stat line. But yeah, I look forward to him being, uh, again, probably a, you know, a focal point of the offense. I think he's too skilled not to be. Sure. Yeah. And it's always nice to have that holding mid or that guy that can play point guard up there uh, for Rio Grande. And I think Tulsa has a very similar position, uh, a similar, actually more of an attack-minded player with uh, Juan Pablo Caffa, uh, someone who I've seen so far in the preseason just, he goes box to box. He can. He's an attacking minded, you know. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of Charlie Ward last year, except you know Charlie Ward is more of a distributor versus a going after the you know the defenders so much. But all that's very important because that's part of the offense. And that's you know if one part doesn't work, then the whole the whole machine falls apart, so to speak. So I yeah I expect like you expect him to be there in the mix uh, for 2017. And so far I know RGV's played had a couple of interesting matches against some teams. Uh, from Mexico there at uh, uh, Reynosa and then uh, last or I guess this past weekend or actually yesterday was the day before yesterday anyway whatever it was against uh, Reynados how did they look against those two opponents yeah they look good um they they won 1-0 against Reynosa um Mm -hmm. actually Memo Rodriguez scored a penalty technically he didn't score the penalty he uh the penalty was saved and then he headed in the follow okay Um, and then they uh they lost 3-0 to Reynados on Wednesday um, it was the first game ever at HEB Park, mm-hmm. um, their new stadium. And um, they look good. I mean, you're playing against, you know, a League MX team. Uh, obviously, they weren't going to go out there and uh, completely, you know, manhandle uh, Monterey. But um, they look good. You know, it's the preseason. I think they were um, the new coach, Junior Gonzalez, was mentioning, you know, this is fun. It's great to, you know, compete against a team of that level. It's all sure. about Sunday. It's all about San Antonio. So. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting out there. The more games you play, obviously, the more comfortable you're going to be with your teammates. Yeah, yeah, and that's always nice to be that far south, you know, for RGV. 
I, you know, if, if I'm an RGV fan, I'm I, that's the teams that I want to play in the preseason or get some League of Mex guys or get some, you know, maybe six Secunda division guys come up to to play at your park. And it looks like uh, you got some fans that are going to be really excited. Do you, do you feel that that HEB Park is going to be a great home field advantage for uh, the Toros this year? Yeah, that is honestly, I there's a lot of great stadiums in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, that that from what I've seen visually is, is probably going to be one of the best, if not the best. Um, and obviously, you know, if you have a, a park like that, you want to go to, you know, mm-hmm. fans want to go, supporters want to be there. You know, it's a great park. They, you know, put a lot of time into it. It actually was, you know, going back to last year, it was supposed to be done last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She scheduled the first four games away just so it would be ready. And right. then it actually, there was some flooding and then speaking to um, the club's president, Per Garcia, great, great guy, great ownership yeah. team. And he was saying, you know, we're building this not for the 2016 season. We're building this for the next 10, 15 years. We would much prefer, you know, the old, you know, measure twice, cut once. We sure. would prefer do great the first time, not, you know, rush together, you know, get the stadium. And then it's like, eh, it's not the best. Um, so they took their time, uh, you know, and, and now they have their uh, the crown jewel down there in South Texas. Yeah. And Bert was very, you know, he's, I will remember when I interviewed him, probably, it was probably February, early March. I can't remember what time frame it was, but he said, yeah, we're expecting it to be ready. So between then and then, I guess there was some flooding between there and I guess it pushed everything back and it just seemed like everything kept getting pushed back. But yeah, you want to be right. You don't want to have to redo something or find some major structural flaw because those things cost money and it is not a cheap venture for sure. Well, what what are you expecting for RGV this year? I know expectations have to be high. You came out surprised everybody last year, got the second place finish. I know kind of stumbled in the playoffs against uh, Oklahoma City there in, in a, I believe in a PKs, wasn't it? Is it? It, it was, uh, it was actually stoppage. Extra, time. Yeah, stoppage time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was a, that was a kick in the stones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they were actually up uh, two nil mm-hmm. and then ended up, um, you know, dropping, <laughs> dropping three to two in stoppage time, which, you know, right now it seems ridiculous to even remember like that that sure. happened. I tried to completely block that out, but <laughs> um, yeah, I would say going in, you know, you, expectations. I expect them to finish towards the top. Yeah, um, are they going to have that type of? I mean, that seven hundred and fifty minute scoreless run was it was kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It was one of those where you'd be like, okay, you know, teams making a good attack. Okay, they're going to score, and then they wouldn't. So. Mm-hmm. It was, um, I expect them to be good. Um, you have a lot of guys back, like I mentioned, Kastner, Luna, Kaditz, Charlie. Um, you're going to have you know some some Dynamo players down there. Hopefully, they're a pretty deep team this year. Sure. Um, which you would, couldn't say as much of last year, but um, pretty deep team. So you know, I expect them to be good. Um, I would I would say probably something similar to finishing where they were at last year. Maybe you know top three or four. Okay. And uh, before you go, do you have? I know we haven't. So this is before any matches start tomorrow. So <laughs> with that caveat, who's one of your surprise teams this year in the West? Who do you think is going to catch some people off guard? Oh, that's, that's a good one. I, LA is one that I think they almost always, they almost get overlooked. Yeah. But, you know, and they, and they, always, and, they, and the one guy they always have, like you mentioned, you know, you like to see guys move away. I'm waiting. I'm almost like, I want to call the Galaxy and tell them to get the gold puppy, Ariel Laster, up to mm-hmm. the first team. Like, hey, don't leave him down here. <laughs> no matter what, he's going to score in dang near every USL game he yeah. plays. Same thing um, with Jack McBean, too. Yeah, that Jack guy. McBean, oh, yeah, yeah exactly. he kills, he kills I, I us. 
Yeah, I was like, thank gosh, you know, McBean's getting time with the first team. That's great. Don't send them down. Uh, as far as the surprise team, I would say LA is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, we Phoenix is is going to be very interesting. To mm-hmm. See who they line up with. Um, hopefully, San Antonio is terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, I, I would not hate them. You know, going winless on the season. Um, I, can't uh, think I think of, that's pretty far stretched. I think they got pretty good in the off season. <laughs> yeah, they, they they definitely they got uh, Chris Tierpak was a good mm-hmm. signing for them. Yep. Oh yeah, whoop and. Um, one team that actually might be interesting that wasn't, I don't believe they made the playoffs this year is, uh, Portland Timbers too, because, mm-hmm. um, Jeremy Ebobisi, the, the, one of the top picks in the super draft, he might get some time with, uh, Timbers too. And, and he is a legit goal scorer in mm. every fashion, um, whether it's on the, uh, international, you know, youth level or, um, you know, obviously at Duke. So it, that's going to be interesting to see He might be. He might, if he gets enough time down there, he could carry them to some wins, and they, they could be a surprise team. All right. Uh, any predictions for, uh, I know tonight's the USA-Honduras match, so I'm going to put you on USA at Panama. Who do you got? USA at Panama. Give me give me USA 2-0 over Panama. And honestly, what what's funny is I almost I'm rooting for Honduras against the U.S. tonight, which is kind of crazy. With what with the, I know it, it sounds so un-American. You know, <laughs> it is really un-American. With the Dynamo have 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 the guys, you know, Elise and Cuyoto and, mm. and Boniac Garcia. I feel like I'm like there's not any you know Beasley's there for the U.S. on from Houston, but I was like. There's a dynamo contingent on Honduras. I'm not gonna be mad if, if they, you know, surprise the U.S. <laughs> well, I, as a red-blooded American, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can buy into that, but I get what you're saying. You, you see some of these guys, you know, you know, and it's hard to just kind of root against them. And but at the same time, I, I, I get the you're like, hey, man, it's, it's hard for me to be unpatriotic, but <laughs> you know, yeah. And I actually, I'm actually, and I'm from originally, actually from Akron, Ohio, and. Um, Darlington Agby seems like he mm. might get another start tonight for the U.S. So I yeah. uh, root for him. You know, Will Trap, another Akron uh, University guy. Oh yeah, it seems like that's that's kind of the uh, North Carolina, so to speak, for women's program. It's Akron for the men's program. You know, so yeah, they put out some serious some serious talent. Mm-hmm. Well, Carson, hey, uh, appreciate you coming on, giving us your take here, and, and if real quick before I let you go, anything that you'd like to plug any your website or any way for folks to can interact with you on social media. Yeah, feel free. Yeah, give me a follow on Twitter. Uh, really creative at Carson A. Merck, um, my name. And then <laughs> um, each week I put out uh, an article for Dynamo Theory, the Bull and its Horns. I'm obviously covering the Toro. So yeah, check me out there. All right, Carson. Again, great to have you back on the show. And uh, thanks again for your time. And best of luck to RGV uh, on Sunday and and as well for the rest of the season. I'm sure you and I will be in touch. Uh, we've got to play each other a few more times, so I'm sure we'll be in touch uh, throughout the season. Yeah, you know we will. And I, and I, of course, wish you guys success, except when you're playing the Toros. Fair enough. <laughs> Carson Merck, thank you so much. All right, man, absolutely. All right, and thank you so much, Carson, for your insight. And always a great guest, very knowledgeable about, well, Houston Dynamo and the Rio Grande Valley Toros. Uh, I, I told him, I said, I'm going to have to go visit him out in Las Vegas sometime <laughs> because we're somewhere that uh, my wife and I, we enjoy going out and visiting. So great stuff. Thank you so much again, Carson. And now I'm going to just talk a little bit about some of the other action going on 
uh, during the weekend. There was some MLS action, okay? It wasn't a lot because there was uh, the international break uh, coincided this weekend, in which I mentioned earlier, some of these two teams were able to take advantage of and get some players on loan for the weekend. Uh, New England beat up on Minnesota 5-2. to two. Oh, Minnesota, just... You just got to feel for the fans and the players there. It's, you know, you just, those are some big score lines, obviously. And no, yeah, they're just continuing to allow some of this, uh, these goals to go in. And unfortunately, just, you know, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, Salt Lake City, Real Salt Lake went on the road to New York Red Bulls and came away at the point. Got the draw, nil nil draw there in that match. And then Portland Timbers, their first loss of the season happened. At Columbus, Columbus Crew with a 3-2 victory. Of course, uh, Portland was without some of their players uh, for the weekend. But, yeah, Columbus gets it done, 3-2. And next week there will be uh, – there's a few more matches. There's a uh, – Panama and the United States is one of the big ones coming up this week, right? Uh, the United States, wow, what a result. That was 6-0 home against Honduras. Honduras is the team that made the World Cup last on the last go-around. So they're not any slouches. And you get that result, and oh, man, just unreal. And I haven't seen the res- the injury report on uh, Kyoto yet, and hopefully he comes out okay because I know Houston Dynamo fans, you know, they don't want to see someone like that go down. So I haven't heard anything, and uh, so hopefully he turns out okay and, and they can move on from that. But big match this weekend, Panama-United States. You heard uh, Lori come on and talk a little bit, give her predictions for that match. And that's a, you know, it's a, it's a, on, it's a road match playing in Panama. Tough place to play. You know, anytime you're on the road in CONCACAF, it's, it's not an easy task. I think the United States will get it done with the momentum they created in that match against Honduras. The other matches going on, Mexico at Trinidad-Tobago. You expect Mexico to get it done there. And then uh, Costa Rica hosting, uh, or actually I think it's Honduras. They're at Honduras this week. So another match for Honduras to kind of right the ship, so to speak. I think Costa Rica will be a little bit too much for them. And Costa Rica is also trying to get their result or get back on track after losing to Mexico this past weekend. So good CONCACAF action going on. World Cup qualifications, love it. Love that the United States is doing better. Uh, there was getting a little, little dicey there with the results from the last go around with losing to Costa Rica and Mexico at home. Good to see the ship being righted for the United States. Uh, some other action going on. We have, you know, that going on with the. Uh, World Cup right now, and I know there's some qualifications going on in the European qualification zones as well. I know England won today against uh, Lithuania. I was watching that match. I believe the final was 2-0 there. So England kind of on their way there uh, for their qualification. No problems on their end. Uh, actually had a, um, a Defoe back in action. So good stuff there. Uh, just some quick Tulsa Athletic news. Cole Poppin uh, is coming back, or he's joining Tulsa Athletic for uh, the 2008-2017 season. Defender 
from the University of Tulsa. Some more some more TU guys coming into the mix, and and it's in the roster starting to look a little more full there for Tulsa Athletic as they open their season on the 10th of May, coming up very soon. And we'll probably know. Let's see. I, I believe the world, or the wow, the U.S. Open Cup draws coming up here in a couple of weeks as well. Lots going on. More soccer. Love it. I'm excited. It's going to be a good time this year. I'm sorry, I said May 10th. That's May 13th at at Ozark FC for Tulsa Athletic. All right, so good. Get some uh, you know round up some soccer there. You no know, international break. There's not a lot of international fixtures going on except for the World Cup qualification. So Arsenal could not lose this weekend. <laughs> sorry, I just had to say that. Okay, folks, and like I mentioned with the Patreon, if you sign up, you'll have five chances to be on the podcast, and this will be a monthly drawing, so we'll I'll announce the date of the drawing. We'll maybe make it at the end of April, and I know, yeah, we're at May, I'm sorry, we're at the end of March, so you're like, well, if I sign up for March and then I pay April, we won't have a drawing for March. Well, if you go ahead and sign up in March, you will have five more chances. So you'll have March and then April five and five. And when I talked about the one retweet, for every retweet that you give for each episode, you will get a chance to be in the drawing. So you could have a potential for nine times. Well, this for for April, you'd have a chance for 14 chances to be on the podcast. So that is the plan with the Patreon. So for you folks who are interested, please sign up. Uh, I, I would be greatly appreciated for any, um, for your donation there and for your partnership. Also for any retweets, it's all good. I appreciate it. All right, folks, that will wrap this show up for this week. Special thanks to Lori Scholl and Carson Merck with Dynamo Theory for their time on the podcast. Again, you can find me on Twitter, R-O-G-M-A-N-9-9, also under Tornado Alley SPC, on, both on Twitter. They're both me. I tweet from both. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and, of course, SoundCloud. And my website is on the BGN, the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm. And special thanks to those folks with their help on this podcast. Everyone, we'll see you next week. Good luck this weekend to all those out there for the next, next weekend's matches. God bless you. Take care. <laughs>